if there's ever a time where we needed to pull together as believers of Christ and, and unite and try to strengthen and make the world a better place, it's now. Mm-hmm. And that, that sounds like he's yeah. preaching our message. <laughs> there's one body, one church, one spirit, one hope. The realities of the faith, the ra- realities that unify us are already there. Christ praying for unity. What should we all be praying for? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's the one prayer request of Jesus. Think about it in the Bible that we actually have a say in whether or not it comes to fruition or not. I think in what God has done in you guys in uh, in this podcast and the, the multitude of folks that you're reaching, the diversity, whatever God intended when he's, when you started this, he's able to bring it to completion. Hey everybody, welcome to the Whole Church Podcast. I am one of your co-hosts, Joshua Knoll. Um, right now we are missing your other co-host, uh, TJ Tiberius Juan Blackwell. Um, he might join us later, just some technical difficulties, but we couldn't keep our very special guest waiting any longer. Um, guys, we could spend probably the whole episode just talking about what all he's done in his lifetime. Um, he's helped with several of our English versions of the Bible, um, notably the NLT, the message, and I believe he helped with the CSB as well, right? Yes, yes. Well, that's, that's actually TJ's favorite version. Um, he's written more scholarly works than me and TJ have read. And uh, he was professor of uh, biblical studies at Westmont. Uh, he specializes in Old Testament, specifically love poetry. So <laughs> it's a great honor. Uh, welcome to the podcast. Hey, thanks, Joshua. Good to meet you. Sorry, TJ's not with us. Hope he can join us later. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, me too. Me too. I know he'd uh, he'd love to actually get to talk to you. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so before we jump into the show, we usually review just a little bit of what our audience has been up to. Um we do what's called our mundane Monday. We asked our audience if they would prefer to drink out of a bottle or can. Uh, we had 12 people say they'd prefer a bottle. Four people said can. Most people ignored that. So there you go. <laughs> but um, yeah, uh, today we're going to talk about uh, unity within scholarship, reaching across kind of like the fundamental and uh, what some people might call the more liberal divide. We talk about sexuality in the Bible as well as Old Testament what Old Testament has to say about ecclesiology or the church today. So uh, that's sort of our topics. Uh, And before we start, we always like to ask a silly question, Dr. Longman. And uh, today's TJ would love because it's about ping pong. Uh, We wanted to ask, and I'll answer first, give you time to think about it. Would you rather play ping pong using a tennis racket or tennis using a ping pong paddle? I'm going to say that I would rather play tennis using a ping pong paddle. Um, I'm assuming the other person has to play by the same rules, so it'll be just as difficult for them as it is me. And that just sounds funnier to me. <laughs> so that's pretty much my whole reasoning yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. But uh, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. They both right, so, uh, Dr. Longman, uh, <laughs> I, I don't know how long it's been since we've done a would you rather, but... Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, that's a tough one because both would be very difficult. Uh, and by the way, in terms of racket sports, I'm a squash player, which uh, squash is a not well-known game <laughs> that the British started years ago, and not a lot of Americans play it. But I played. Yeah, you got to be a little bit tougher to play that one. <laughs> yeah, I played since I was very young because my father was an all-American squash player at Princeton, and so he taught me. I was never as good as he was, and never as good as my son, Tremper Longman the Fourth. But. Uh, but if I have to choose between those two more plebeian sports, <laughs> tennis and ping pong, <laughs> I, I think I'd rather play ping pong with a tennis racket, partly because I can't imagine uh, with a ping pong racket from the back court actually getting it anywhere close yep. to the net. 
So, trying to find the ball. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. No, mm. that, that's a hard one. Yeah, I'd need to renew my uh, prescription on my glasses before I drive. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Oh, man. Well, that's funny. So, jumping into sort of the meat of the show. Um, so, one of your more, it might be your most recent, I don't think it is. Um, I was reading, uh, was it Confronting Old Testament Controversies? Yeah. Is that the, the yeah. name? Okay. Yeah, that's right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm terrible with the names of some oh, books, but right. I remember reading it and um, you mentioned some of the people you have kind of peer review your work. And I noticed there were some that some people might consider more fundamentalist. And there were some people that people might think of as, you know, almost liberal. I, I know Pete Inns has labeled that a lot. <laughs> How do you get people from kind of both sides of that perceived divide working with you on a project like that? Yeah, well, that's a great question, and you're right. Uh, it's it's uh, not my most recent book. I've actually written another book on the Bible and politics, which is it's just as controversial as. as yeah, I'm scared uh, to that touch one. that one. <laughs> <laughs> and then how to read Daniel, which is uh, less controversial, even though Daniel is can be controversial in terms of its interpretation, but. Yeah, no, I think the reason why there are two reasons. One, you develop friendships over years of, um, you know, uh, knowing people and writing and and establishing relationships of trust to a certain extent. And uh, also by interacting with other people's viewpoints that you disagree with, with respect and with appreciation um and knowing where you uh where they're coming from so with pete ends for instance it was very easy because <laughs> pete's one of my closest friends you know and we um yeah we he was actually my student years ago um which kind of dates me but uh but <laughs> he was my student in the early 80s i encouraged him to go off to school he went to harvard to get a phd then there was an opening at Westminster Theological Seminary when I was teaching there and hired him as a colleague. Uh, I ended up leaving Westminster before he did, uh, but we continued to collaborate. But, you know, we don't agree on everything, including some of the topics I was covering in that book. So I sometimes describe that book as a loving pushback on, on Pete Enns. <laughs> but I actually, you know, Probably, um, and it, it also kind of depends on how people, you know, respond to you too. I do have difficulty with people on either side of the spectrum, but this is more of a issue, I think, with people on the more fundamentalist side who tend to sometimes, I mean, sometimes they tend to react in a extremely negative, divisive, and marginalizing way, like you can't be a Christian if you believe X, Y, or Z kind of thing. And that, you really have to pray a lot when, <laughs> when you're interacting <laughs> at that point. That might be some great <laughs> advice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, yeah. As a Church Unity podcast, we, we yeah. just really found it, you know, fascinating, um, especially because, you know, when I read your intro, you said you were going to push back a little bit and you named him as a friend. And I was like, OK, so he might mention him in like a sentence or two. And I was like, oh, well, there's a whole section and part of this where he's like, <laughs> yeah, here's right. Pete's view and uh, why I disagree. And I was like, oh, he's not shy about it. And they're still willing to work with him. So I'm like, that's um, that's something I think a lot of people need to work on. Right. Where we need to be able to disagree in unity. 
Yeah. And uh, right. some people even think of that as antonyms almost when, um, yeah, I, I think and you it, pulled it off really well. I was, uh, I, it's very impressive that people are able to work with you in that way. <laughs> well, thanks. Yeah. And I do think, and we may come back to this more that we got to remember what's really clear and essential in the Bible, which are matters that pertain to our salvation things that are captured in the primary creeds, like the Nicene Creed and the Apostles' Creed. Um, you know, those are those are kind of hills to die on, uh, whereas a lot yeah. of the fights take place on secondary matters that aren't essential to salvation. Okay, interesting. Yeah, I, um, I think I'd have to agree with you on that. We... Um, <laughs> TJ's the one who always remembers the the numbers of episodes. So <laughs> listeners, forgive me, but we did an episode early on. It was like uh, tribalism and um, mm. idolatry talk, something like that. And um, mm. we had two of my old professors on the on the show, and uh, that that's uh, sort of what he lays out as the you know there's first, second, and third tier issues, and yeah. the first tier is exactly what you were talking about. And it's sort of the framework that we've used for our show since then. It's just we have those first tiers like that foundation. The second tier, um, I think it was. Maybe we shouldn't go to the same church, but we could still call each other Christian. Yeah. And third tier is we could still go to the same church and just kind of make fun of each other in the pews. <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah. So, um, so we wanted to ask whether you thought. Sorry, just kind of jumping ahead here. Sure. Uh, a proper hermeneutic mm. is that a way for us to be able to understand some of these creeds and kind of find more common ground and unity together better? Yeah. Uh, well, I think we all need to work hard to have a proper hermeneutic, because uh, I think another way of stating what I what we were just talking about, or maybe slightly differently, is uh, the Bible is totally true in everything that it intends to teach, but our interpretations aren't, and our interpretations depend on our hermeneutic. So. Our goal in interpretation is to discover the message of the original author, both the human author and the ultimate divine author. And we need to develop the best hermeneutic in order to do that. And, uh, and, and we need to talk about hermeneutics when we're, when we're interacting with each other about differences of interpretation of, you know, why do you think Genesis 1 to 2, for instance, isn't sort of a straightforward history? Um, you know, saying how God created creation. And I might respond to that by saying, well, I do think the genre or literary type of the book is, um, history, but it's using figurative language to describe these events because it's not interested in its ancient context and describing how. And so so rather than just sort of labeling people for their interpretive conclusions, we need to um we need to um you know be open to interact and listen to other interpreters. Um I think a really important point uh part of Interpreting the Bible, a really important part of, of hermeneutics is to read in community, which means to listen to people who differ with you and be open to 
changing your perspective. Um, but, but only if you're convinced and always be mindful, always be humble in interpretation, always be mindful of the fact that you're a fallible interpreter. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I've had the opportunity a couple times when I was in college to be in Bible studies with people from other denominations, um, which it's funny. I, I think of it as a blessing. Um, mm. My church, we're part of the Pentecostal organizations, the Church mm. of God of Prophecy. So we don't, you know, we, there isn't the Church of God of Prophecy college, really. I mean, there's a few mm. smaller ones that are kind of associated with Pentecostal movements. But, uh, you know, because of that, I ended up basically being forced to reach out more as I've become an adult and see other people's perspectives and views. And I really think that is um, one of the most helpful things is being able to enter into that kind of Bible study where you're hearing different people's views on that. Um, as far as getting back to the hermeneutic, uh, you, you talked about understanding the original intent and how that's, um, I don't know if you use the term infallible, but that's the infallible part, right? Is what was intended to be said. Yeah. Um, is it possible to have two different hermeneutics and still have church unity? Like uh, um, if, if me and you read the Bible with just completely different methods, can we still come together in, you know, a Christian unity, not just in unity, but yeah. Well, does that make sense? Yeah, no, it does make sense. Um, I, I think it gets back to what we were saying earlier. I mean, I, I do think that some things that are the things that are essential for salvation, you know, that God created us, we're innocent at creation, but then we're all sinners and we need a savior. You know, the things that are essential for salvation are so clear in scripture and so often taught that um, that you can have two differing hermeneutics uh, and and still uh, agree on those fundamental important things. Um, however, uh, you know, on those second and third tier things we were talking about earlier, we're going to have differences, you know, and so... So there is a reason why we might have different denominations, but, you know, Baptists shouldn't turn around and call Presbyterians, you know, non-Christians. Uh, we differ on some important yet, um, yet, uh, not essential matters. Um, and, um, and that's even more the case for the third tier things. In, in one sense, <laughs> You know, um, yeah, so, but, but I, but I do think, you know, that we need to keep talking hermeneutics as well as talking, uh, our interpretive conclusions. Yeah. Like it's still important to pursue, but maybe you would say hermeneutics itself is just a second tier issue. I mean, obviously, we can't go to the same church if we're reading the text differently. Mm -hmm. But if we yeah. agree on, uh, like you said, the Nicene Creed and all that, we could still yeah. come together in Christ. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. That, that makes yeah. a lot of sense to me. Um, yeah. I, exactly. Hey guys, we just wanted to take a quick break to tell you a few ways that you could support the Whole Church Podcast, your favorite church unity podcast. Yeah, so you could follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. You could share this episode on your own social media. You can donate to us on Cash App with the tag in the show notes. 
You can follow us on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash the whole church podcast. You can subscribe to the show wherever great podcasts are found. You could rate us on Apple Podcasts or Podchaser, or you could sign up for our newsletter on our website or by emailing us at thewholechurch at gmail.com. Yeah, especially that last one. It's the best way for you to be connected with us and what we're doing with the podcast. Yeah. And we have a devotion on there and a word of the month. Yeah, it's a lot of good stuff. It's in Hebrew or Greek. You want to get back to the show? Yes. So I'm more complimentary complementarian yeah. yeah in my view right. of sexuality and you know we promised everyone we talk about this so i guess we got oh, it sure yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah 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 uh and i was um i i gotta in my question i'm gonna admit my own fault here i assumed your belief because i think a lot of people on my side of complementarianism is when we get into hermeneutics this is kind of how this ties in um you know i read where you view that first part of genesis of um it's important that Eve came from Adam's side. And I said, oh, he believes in equality. He must be an equal to, yeah, you know what I'm saying, yeah. complementary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But really, uh, you, you told me an email earlier today, you're actually egalitarian. Um, yeah. How is it? We we definitely read that passage the same way, right? I'm reading <laughs> that saying, yeah, it came from yeah. the sides. But here we are having two different sides of this issue. How how does that happen? Um. Well, that's a good question. I. Well, I mean, I think one of the ways it happens is even though Genesis 2 is very clearly, in my opinion, you can read it in a in a complementarian way where women have a certain defined rule or, or you know, is somehow um, uh, equal in before the eyes of God, equal being created in the image of God. But, you know. For instance, you might read too much, I believe, into the word helper, a helper corresponding to him. Helper sounds kind of um, subordinate to the person whom they're helping. However, that would be an, what I would say to a person who held that view. I'd say, well, look at the way the word is used in the book of Psalms, that Hebrew word helper, which is ezer. Uh, is used of Yahweh. Yahweh is the helper of Israel. And so you say you can't really read into that word some kind of subordinationism. So on the what, so I am, I, I do think they complement each other, you know, that men and women are different, but yeah. I think that they're equal in in uh before the eyes of god i think i don't think there are clearly defined roles where for instance women can't be pastors i'm in favor of women's ordination um and so forth but um but it becomes complicated of course by the fall and the introduction of sin in genesis 3 uh and that's where the power imbalance comes in you'll remember the punishment yeah. of the woman is that you you will desire your husband and he will rule over you. So uh, what there, what a lot of people don't recognize is that this word for desire is um, not a common word for desire. And I think we should take our cue from its use in Genesis 4, where uh, God says to Cain, uh, Cain, sin desires you. So it's not a romantic desire. It's a yes. desire for the woman to control the man and then come back. 
So the question then becomes, um, do we just settle into that kind of patriarchy that we do read about in the Old Testament? Yeah. Or, you know, like uh, the punishment of Adam includes uh, thorns and thistles <laughs> as he's working. I mean, we, we pick the weeds, right? So we can work. <laughs> We yeah. can work against that kind of uh, problematic uh, power differential, and so, so yeah. So the Old Testament takes uh, Israel where they are. I mean, the case law, for instance, in matters like slavery and polygamy and patriarchy, and and moves them toward the Edenic ideal, the ideal that we see in Genesis two. So, uh, so yeah. that's why I'm egalitarian, but <laughs> I also was a complementarian for many years and I can appreciate, uh, why yeah. people would come to that perspective. Yeah. So, so there's room for discussion. No. There. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I gotta, I gotta be honest. I'm, I'm sort of, I really shouldn't use either term, which is, which is the problem once we start putting labels on things. Cause yeah, I, yeah. I do agree with women pastors. Yeah, but I also, you know, I think, you know, there's I'd still believe in gender roles. And and I think what yeah. that is, is we both found that same thread, right? That that yeah. thread of she came from the side. Um, yeah. You being much more accredited than I. But uh, we followed that just in different ways, it seems. Yeah. And uh, maybe yeah. as I learn more, I'll fall more in line with your view or maybe not. Well, yeah, you know. well, that's why we have the discussion. I mean, I take the creation from the side as, uh, uh, you know, it's not from his head or from his feet. Spurgeon said this too, you know, and he was basing yeah. his comment on what Rabbi said, you know, not from their head, not from his head as if superior, not from the feet as if inferior, but from the side where they're, uh, yeah. And, you know, the, the terms themselves can be a little bit misleading, <laughs> but, but you yeah. sound, you sound like what we call a soft complementarian. They're hard complementarian, yeah. yeah. soft complementarian. Yeah, I don't um I don't in any means believe that one's above the other, right? I just believe right, that right. they do different roles, which Yeah, right. Again, that that's why labels labels kind of suck, honestly. You know, I don't <laughs> I was gonna ask if I'm allowed to say suck. TJ's not yeah. here to stop me, so hey, sorry, that, listener. <laughs> yeah, that's all right. I have uh whenever I talk about the book of Ecclesiastes and talk about what the message of the preacher is in the book, I always say, even in sermons, that the preacher thinks that life sucks and then you die. I I gave that I gave <laughs> I mean, that sermon. True, <laughs> I, I I gave that sermon once at uh, in a Christian college in Arkansas, and <laughs> I got all the students' attention. But I found out afterwards that some preaching professor said there are five words you should never use in a sermon, and that was one of them. <laughs> so oh, my I, my my response was. I'm well, kind of curious what the other four are. But... <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but I proved that guy wrong. <laughs> well, <laughs> so that being said, I'm just, um, man, I've been, um, as I said, I've read many of your books. Uh, so naturally I listened to several other podcasts you've been on. Is there ever any question that you just wish someone would ask you? <laughs> Basically I'm asking you to do my job for me. If you could just come up with a really good question for yourself. <laughs> Well, it, I do so many different podcasts, Joshua. I mean, I, you know, do them on politics. I do them on the Bible and politics. I do it on various biblical books. Um, but 
I don't get a lot of questions about the saga saga, <laughs> but but actually the saga saga is is an extremely uh, important book because it's it's one way that God uh, is telling us that sexuality is a good and healthy thing when it's um, when it's practiced within its proper biblical boundaries and and reminds us that God created us you go back to Genesis 2 sexual beings you know and that yeah. that sexual feelings are not in and of themselves sinful um and you know i i mean it's a deadly serious topic as we can <laughs> tell from this uh guy down in Atlanta who you know was so Apparently, yeah. just so um, upset for his sexual attractions that he acted out in such a violent way. Um, so, yeah. Now, <laughs> oh man, I, I I just can't help but chase some rabbits. The um, I wonder if if you would care to comment, or maybe you just would rather avoid the, the subject because I know it's a little sensitive, but um. You know, Paul's words that in, in the New Testament, I've read it once. I think it's funny. Have my Old Testament, uh, <laughs> Old Testament guy on to ask him about the New Testament. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, man, um, Paul says, if you can't resist, basically, you know, I'm, I'm paraphrasing because I don't have it memorized, but uh, if you can't yeah. resist, you should just get married. Mm -hmm. Um, do, would you say that you think that guy with, uh, that kind of desire, he should have been encouraged to just go ahead and get married? Or do you think that would have not really resolved that issue at all? Well, I, I, first of all, I mean, I don't know this person. I don't know exactly how he got, but I understand yeah. that he kind of grew up. We can and, only do hypotheticals. Really. Yeah. So we won't talk about him in specifically, but I, but I do think that, you know, for the past generation, there's been this emphasis on what they call the purity culture, you know, that, um, and, 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 you know, one author, who writes a lot of helpful and good things. I remember Kevin DeYoung wrote a book on sexuality where he said something like, well, I didn't do this, but I encourage everybody to treat their girlfriend like their sister until the day they get married. I think that is both unreasonable and dangerous because it's kind of uh, weird <laughs> and, and, and it is. Yeah. But, but what he means is, <laughs> yeah, no, you're right though. Um, so uh, my friend, Dan Allender, who's a psychologist and I wrote a book called God loves sex, where we talk about this, that, um, that God created us sexual beings. Again, our sexual feelings are not inherently perverse though, because we're sinful, we're often tempted to act out, act those out in a sinful way. So we need to be mindful of that, but not by repressing our, our sexuality. Um, and, and so I think maybe one of the things to keep in mind is that intimacy isn't necessarily nothing and then everything, <laughs> you know, nothing, yeah. nothing until you get married kind of thing. Um, it isn't treat your girlfriend or your fiance like your sister, but there's a growing as commitment grows. So, does physical intimacy. It's always stopped short, of course, yeah. of sexual intercourse, which is reserved for for marriage. But uh, 
but yeah, this is not the place to get yeah. into the how far is too yeah. far question. Yeah. It's kind of like uh, drinking, you know, it's sort of like uh, some people shouldn't drink at all. Yeah. yeah. Um, let's just, uh, we'll say that there is such thing as too far. Yeah. Um, yeah. But hey, if you're 13 and you have a girlfriend, yeah. I'm okay with you kissing her on her hand. I'll tell you at least that much, right? (laughs) That's not weird. Right. That's not weird. God's not mad at you. Right, exactly. (laughs) Oh, man. Well, I I, got to move on. We're running out of time. um, Which I I knew this would happen. Uh, Usually TJ pulls the reins and says, Josh, you you need to, you know, we got to wrap it up. And uh, I... Just so glad I got to speak with you about some of the things we were able to speak about. And um, it's been an honor to have you on, man. One thing we always like to ask our guests before we start wrapping up, we like to ask if you had to give our listeners just a single tangible action, something that when this show ends, they'll just go do this. They can just go do it. Yeah. And it, that thing would help maintain church unity. What would it be? Uh, well, I would be, uh, you know, listen to other people. You know, consider what they're saying. Uh, don't lash out. Um, be humble. How about that? Just adopt <laughs> a attitude of humility, which if you read the book of Proverbs, that's how somebody gets, gets what, that's how wisdom comes by being humble and not proud, listening to other people and so forth. Oh, yeah. Which, um, I'll say, uh, to, to tackle onto that and maybe help be a little bit more tangible for some people uh, in reading your book, um, the confronting old Testament controversies. I, I noticed you would talk about both perspectives and obviously when you referenced it, you'd put what books it were. And um, for the first section where you deal with creationism and I'd like to not give my views for people because yeah. you know, it's, it's hard to be church unity guy. if People know where you stand on things. So. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I, I'll say that I found one of the books you talked about the most that disagreed with my position, whatever that may be. And uh, yeah. I went ahead and ordered that on Amazon. Cause I was oh, like, Hey, yeah. I want to understand that side better. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I, I think that's a tangible way to do what he's right. talking about. Yeah. Humble yourself yeah. and listen to someone else's view. Think about a view that you hold about the Bible. Look up a good book on the opposite view and then just read it. You yeah. know, try to understand. Right. Um, and it, and as people do that, uh, what, what do you think we would see change in the church? Well, I, I do think we see uh, more unity, unity in terms of not cutting off other people. I think I think we grow personally. I know I have as I've listened to other perspectives and changed my mind on various topics over the year um, years. Uh, just here's another thing, you know, just follow the Bible where it goes. Uh, keep studying it. Don't be afraid to be open. As long as you can justify your view from the scriptures and not just proof texting, but looking <laughs> at the, you know, entirety of scripture. And that's a lifelong uh, pursuit. You know, I learn new things yeah. about the Bible every day and it's exciting. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I mean, that's that's a great word. I really appreciate it. Um, as we wrap up, uh, first thing we do is what we call our God moment segment. We all like to just take a minute to just say something that God's done for us recently, uh, whether it be a blessing, 
um, a challenge, anything like that. And I'll go ahead and go first and give you time mm-hmm. to think, make sure. sure you have something good for everybody. But yeah. uh, I, um, this last <clears throat> Sunday was Easter, mm-hmm. which makes this a really mm-hmm. easy segment, honestly. <laughs> yeah. But um, they played Living Hope. I was trying to remember mm-hmm. the name of the song. They were playing that song at my church and they got to a part, the part of the song where it says uh, death grip has been loosened mm-hmm. or something like mm-hmm. that. And I remember mm-hmm. talking about the grip of death and um, it really brought to mind in, in a very spiritual way. It kind of brought me back to my own car accident where I almost died. Mm-hmm. And I remember that feeling when you could feel I, when I was in the hospital, you could feel death kind of loosening. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking of how, God gave me this preview of what it will one day be like when death truly is loosened. Mm. And uh, I don't know, man, it was just a Mm. a powerful blessing. And um, usually my God moments are are quite like that. The last time I think it was, I'm blessed to be able to go to Disney or something. But um, this Easter, God really got a hold of my attention. Mm. And I just wanted to share that with everybody. But um, Dr. Longman, uh, did you have something God's been up to with you recently? Yeah. A couple things. One is I think God's been up, with me to allow me to get my vaccinations and then oh praise god <laughs> i'm looking then, for a man yeah <laughs> and then felt comfortable enough to get on a plane with my wife uh to go down to florida first you know i fly a hundred thousand miles a year typically but this is the first flight i've taken in 13 months to go visit my mother on her 95th birthday which was the day wow. before easter and got to celebrate Easter with her. So that was, that was, I'm very thankful uh, to God for that. Wow. Yeah. That's a, that's a great blessing, man. That's, um, man, I'm, I'm really happy for it. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. That's, uh, I get excited, man. But, um, all right. So then, uh, we hope everyone enjoyed this episode. If you did, please consider sharing it. Uh, thank you to all of our patrons. Uh, of course, we have one last sec- segment just for you at the end of this show where, uh, Dr. Longman's going to summarize this. Sh- episode in 10 <laughs> seconds y'all hold on for that but uh <laughs> but before we end uh dr Lawman, where where can they find more of your books uh listen to more podcasts with you in it or anything like that is there like a place they can go to find more just google? Uh, well i mean you can google you can go to www.tremperlongman.com or you could go of course to amazon or christianbooks.com and just stick my name in there to find some of the books that I've written, but thank you for asking. Oh yeah, and of, of course Amazon also has the podcast now too. So oh great, you, that's great. All in one now, yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, <laughs> so uh, before we end, I just want to let announce our future guest. I don't think I've ever done this before either. Mm-hmm. <laughs> announce some of our future guests. Uh, we're going to have return guest Father Jonathan of the Holy Trinity Greek Orthodox Church with re- another return guest, uh, Sister Rose of Campus. Catholic Campus Ministries in uh, the University of North Carolina Wilmington are both going to be on next week. Uh, we will after that we will have our good friend Pastor Chris Brissy. Um, then we will have Christian Taylor, who is the director of The Girl Who Wore Freedom. It's a World War II documentary. Great, great movie. Watch it if you can. And um, of course, at the end of the season, we will have Francis Chan. He just doesn't know about it yet. But, you know, he'll, he'll figure it out. We'll ask him and he'll agree. It'll be okay. <laughs> all right, guys. Hey, thank you all for listening. Dr. Longman, thanks for being here with us. Head over to Patreon if you want that last segment. Thank you.